and welcome to the Sober Witch Podcast. I'm Molly Mora, the Sober Witch, and today we'll be talking all about 12-step groups. Let me start by saying that this is definitely not the only way to get sober. The AA specifically was the way that it helped me immensely to get sober, but the 12-step groups, the 12 steps in general, they're just one way. And we'll definitely be talking about some other resources that you can look into so that you can create your own program of recovery. Because honestly, that's, I think that's the only way that any of this 12-step stuff works is if we pick it apart and make it truly ours, especially for us who might have differing beliefs from some of the status quo. Uh, Luckily, nowadays, there's more, like I said, more resources that match our witchy needs. But yeah, definitely want to cherry pick, research, read so that you you can create your own program of recovery that really works for you specifically. In talking about the potential benefits of healthy 12-step groups, one of the first things is that 12-step groups can be kind of a one-stop shop for recovery. So if the group is a healthy group, it may well serve you in many areas of your recovery. If you want to get sober, 12-step groups have basically everything you need to do so. I sometimes equate it to Walmart. It may not be exactly what you want or what you're used to, which is sometimes a good thing, but it'll do in a pinch and it'll get the job done. And most of the other pros that we're going to discuss kind of fall under this umbrella of 12-step groups being a one-stop shop for recovery. So we'll kind of be discussing that with all the rest of the pros. And then number two, they can offer structure and accountability. Uh, Meetings can be actually kind of a form of ritual. You know, they do the same process every time. You know, they read the the opening statement and then they do the 12 step and the 12 traditions, the passing the basket around and all that stuff. So it's, it's a kind of a little form of ritual there. Additionally, 12-step groups are socializing during the meetings, before and after the meetings. Sometimes that in in and of itself is kind of a form of accountability. If you get yourself a sponsor and work through the 12 steps, that's even more accountability. So having that structure and that accountability can be helpful. Number three, 12-step groups can offer immediate surface connection with other folks who have experienced somewhat the same things. Again, not they may not always be the the type of people we would typically associate with but sometimes that's a good thing and then too you know just having that similarity of like hey i'm an alcoholic you're an alcoholic okay cool so you immediately kind of have that bonding but again if it's a unhealthy group be wary of that number four 12-step groups take up time so i know when i got first got sober i had a lot of a lot more free time because I would I was drinking all day and drugging all day. Uh, most of my life was kind of structured around drinking drugs. And so I was either actively using them, going and get them or recovering from them, you know, sleeping off a hangover or something. So when I got sober, it's like, what do I do now? If it had not been for AA, I probably would have just like been in bed all day watching Star Trek in the dark and eating cheesecake chimichangas from Taco Bueno. I mean, not to say that I didn't do that 
anyway, but I'm pretty sure I would have done a lot more had it not been for AA. Let's see what else. Well, and two, I should mention that, uh, you know, all my friends uh, were still using and drinking and everything. And a lot of my hobbies were still really tied to drinking and drugs, like playing guitar and writing. I stopped drinking and drugging and I wanted to do those activities. It was really triggering for me because I was so used to having those substances with those activities. Those hobbies that I, I was used to engaging in, I kind of had to step back from them for a little bit. So it was hard to have all that leisure time that I didn't know what to do with. Number five, 12-step groups can get us out of the house if we're attending in person. Getting up and getting groomed and getting in the car and going out to a meeting. Sometimes that can be a nice thing from time to time, just getting out of the house and doing something so that you're not stuck inside watching Star Trek. Let's see. And yeah, so it gives, it gives us that destination and something, oh yes, that's actually important and something to relieve that restlessness, especially for those who are recovering from alcohol uh, and any downers. Typically, the effect of the drug is the opposite of what happens when we're in withdrawals. So like with uh, with speed or meth, the withdrawals, will you're typically going to be sleeping for long periods of time. Not for everybody, but for some. For me, getting off of alcohol, I was just really restless all the time. So I had all this pent-up energy that I didn't know what to do with. So that kind of gave me something to get that that restlessness out. Number six, so healthy 12-step groups can offer a nice opportunity to redevelop social skills in a safe setting. Again, like I said, I was, uh, I was an alcoholic, and so a lot of my social situations, like, you know, they say the, the alcohol is a social lubricant. Well, that's definitely how I used it, too. I mean, I used it even when I wasn't in social situations, but ease that social anxiety that I have. Uh, and so when I went to AA and the, the people, luckily, I went to a, a pretty good group, but they were very forgiving of my social faux pas and everything. They were very forgiving and tolerant. And so if you if you have a good group, you'll, hopefully you'll experience that instead of uh, just feeling like an ass, which in some groups I definitely felt just like an ass. But, but being able to practice that being social and being sober was... It's, it was pretty huge, actually. Let's see, number seven, 12-step groups can give us a sense of meaning, purpose, and hope at a time where we feel lacking in all those things. And this one can be, it can be tricky sometimes, because especially for those of us who have different beliefs than the status quo. I'm just kind of making the assumption that if you're listening to this podcast, you might have a different beliefs. Luckily, nowadays it's uh, witchcraft and uh, switches, or there's more momentum, much more of a movement going on. But back in the day, there there wasn't very much, and so we can definitely provide a voice to the underdogs in the group, especially if we're going to the traditional twelve step meetings like AA. We're definitely able to kind of give voice to that, but at the same time hopefully not preach, proselytize, which we'll be talking about too when we talk about the harms, because we can say like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Molly, I'm an alcoholic. I don't believe in God as, he, as 
it is represented in the steps, but I, I do practice a form of witchcraft, blah, blah, blah. And this is how it helped me with this step. Not going into detail. We're not reading the Wiccan read or anything like that. Very basic, just like this, that I don't believe that, but this is how I work it, so it does work for me. Moving on to the potential harms of an unhealthy 12-step group. So number one is some 12-step groups are committed to the disease model of addiction. So there is a, a lot of models and theories of addiction. One of the primary ones that the clinical and counseling community go by is the biopsychosocial model, which is the biology, the psychology, and the social environmental aspects of the individual, which might uh, be conducive to making up an addiction. However, the 12-step groups still, at least as far as I can see, especially with AA, still very much go by the disease model of addiction. And this is a very, very deep topic. At some point, we'll probably go over all the models of addiction because it's a terribly interesting subject. But you have, yeah, it's very deep, and there's a lot of pros and cons to each one. There's a lot, there's some pros definitely to the disease model, but there's definitely a lot of cons. But like I said, the biopsychosocial model is more of the model of addiction that most professionals go by, and it is seen as the most beneficial for uh, the recovering person. Number two, some groups endorse and encourage cult-like behavior and mentalities, which I'm sure that comes as no surprise to anyone. But you know, if we're ever being discouraged from thinking for ourselves, it might be an unhealthy situation. And that's across the board. If we're ever, ever being discouraged for thinking for ourselves, we might want to get out of that situation. But those types of groups that they might be living by all the cliches. There are some good cliches, but there's some really bad ones as well. And a lot of big book thumping and not a lot of room or openness or tolerance or anything like that. I know one of the cliches that they would use to guilt trip some people, at least back in the day when I, in my early recovery was meeting makers make it. But like, you know, sometimes meeting makers don't make it because the meeting they meet at is judgmental and oppressive. So their sobriety is actually stronger by not making that meeting. Some cliches are great, but some are not. And I'm not a huge fan of that one. Let's see what else as far as that goes. Oh, that's another one though. As far as when a person relapses. So I have seen groups where they basically ostracize a person that relapses, which is just mind blowing to me. This is a group of recovery and a person has relapsed. One of your members has relapsed. One of your friends has relapsed and you ostracize them. That's just amazing. It's mind blowing to me. I mean, hey, if for those that are newly sober and are still trying to you know, really stabilize. And that's understandable. I would not recommend reaching out to somebody who's just relapsed to somebody who's new in recovery. But those folks that have like 20 years, 10 years, five years, I mean, come on, what are you doing here? Reach out to them. I'm not saying like going to their house and like sitting, but, you know, reach out, make that connection. Why are you going to ostracize somebody that's 
in trouble. I don't, I've never understood that. Let's see, but that's definitely cult-like behavior for sure. It kind of reminds me of Scientology, you know, where they, if, it, if they stop uh, attending Scientology or they stop believing in Scientology, they're just cut off. Uh, okay, number three, some groups may make up may be made up of proselytizers that will attempt to bully us if our beliefs differ from theirs. So I'm sure that every group has at least one of them, but if you're being preached at like every other share, <laughs> you may want to get out of that group. There are some groups that are just like outright Christian and they're preaching the Bible. I had, this was like, because I've, I've been in and out of the rooms uh, for at least 20 years. And this was one of those like, very first meetings when I was 15, I remember a guy got out his Bible and just started reading from it. Like the actual Holy Bible, the Christian Bible, he started reading out of it. It was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, oh, and I should say though, <laughs> to be fair, I did kind of preach a little bit <laughs> when I, the, this last time that I, I got back to AA, this, I was very resentful still. And I was very resentful of the fact that people preached at me in particular in my early goings, ins and outs of the AA. And so in order to, I guess, get even and be petty, I, I kind of proselytized a little bit how pissed off I was at Christians, I guess. And particularly, you know, Christian AA folk who were trying to shove it down my throat when I was 15, you know, it's just, ugh. Anyway, but when I did catch myself doing that, when I realized, oh, okay, so this is what I'm doing. I'm being one of those assholes uh, because I experienced those assholes in my past. And how am I making things better? I know, of course I wasn't. It wasn't advantageous to anybody. And it was harmful, actually, to myself and others. And so as soon as I recognized it, I stopped. But sometimes we're going to vent... Sometimes we're going to need to vent, but as long as we're not, we're not preaching and proselytizing at every meeting, do what you will. Let's see. Next up is number four. 12 step groups do not provide the clinical or medical treatment that some of us may need. Let me say that the withdrawals from alcohol and benzodiazepines, benzodiazepines can kill us. Please God go to the hospital talk to your doctor. I am so sorry about my little dog uh, whining back there, but those are the two main ones that can kill us from the withdrawals. Uh, I know with the with alcohol, I had to go to detox and had to do the Librium shuffle for a while because seizures and hallucinations and all that stuff. Just please, please, please go to the doctor if you're, if you think you, you need to do that. Alcohol and benzodiazepines be careful. But yes, anyway, so with with 12 step groups, they aren't some some may be led experts in the field of addiction, but for the most part they aren't. They're uh, led by lay people and even those who do have degrees in counseling, they're typically going to kind of pull back on their licensure and just be present as an AA member or an NA member. And as far as this one goes, if you hear, then this one makes me so angry, but if you hear in your group that AA members or 12-step members, whatever group you're going to, should not take any medication 
even if it's prescribed for a valid psychiatric or medical reason, get the hell out of there because that is just total bullshit. They have no idea what they're talking about. They, in order to get sober and stay sober, you got to address all the aspects. You got to take care of your mental, your physical, everything. If you hear that bullshit, get out, <laughs> get out. I'm sorry, but that that's one of the ones that uh, makes me the most angry, I think, because I'm sure that so many people have stayed out drinking and drugging far longer than they've needed to because of shit like that. And I'm sure that there are some that have actually died because of shit like that. Hopefully it's not as prevalent these days, but I know back when I first started going to AA when I was 15 or so, it was very prevalent and it's just so dangerous. Last one, as far as the harms. So number five, anonymity has led to abuse. So there's been a lot of women who have come forward to speak about sexual abuse and harassment uh, suffered from AA members, uh, but it's messed up. AA's policy of anonymity has actually protected those people who are committing those crimes because it's anonymous, which is bullshit. It's terrible. There's actually a movie, I think it's called 13th Step, and it's all about that. But it's, you know, when I was, when I got to the program, every time that I first went back, <laughs> it was, I was a fucking mess. You know, I don't think any of us are, are just glamorous and have all our shit together when we first go in. Most of us are going to be a fucking mess. I know for myself, I knew I was a fucking mess. And so any man that showed me interest, I kind of gathered that, well, <laughs> he may not have his shit together. So I might not want to invest too much time into this guy. But yeah, just, you know, be cognizant of that. And it's not just men who 13 step people, it's all, you know, there are women as well, I'm sure. Just be careful and, you know, remember that it's, uh, you're, you're focusing on you. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll talk all about like early recovery and relationships and sex and all that other stuff in another episode. But yeah, I know that I was a fucking mess and any man that wanted <laughs> to get with me. Uh, yeah, he, he was a fucking mess too. So, all right. So how to choose a healthy 12 step group. So number one, shop around. I know this one kind of sucks because you have to attend some shitty meetings sometimes. And also sometimes the closest meeting isn't going to be the best one either. I know for me, the, the one that I really liked was, uh, it was called We Agnostics Group, which is actually named after the most infuriating chapter in the AA big book. But it was like a, an hour and a half away as opposed to five minutes. Another group was like five minutes away, but it wasn't nearly as good as WAG, the We Agnostics group. Once a week at least, I would you know drive my happy ass over there. I drove a lot farther for Coke and all that other stuff, so I could drive an hour and a half to get my sobriety on. Number two, if you feel you can truly be open and not feel judged during your shares, that's a sign of a healthy 12-step group for sure. You know, and I've been in groups where we've talked about the second and third step, and I say something as simple, I'm not preaching or anything, I just say simply, I don't believe in in, in the God that as he, as he or it is written in the 12 steps, 
but uh, this is what I do believe. And this is how I apply that to the second and third step and how it, it still encompasses the essence of the step. So it's something simple as that. And then after the meeting, I've had like at a bad meeting, I've had like five people swarm me <laughs> and try to convert me to a uh, Christianity. And, you know, sometimes those groups are fine, discuss and debate. And, but sometimes you just want to go to a meeting, get your recovery on and leave. If you feel like you're, you can be open and not judged and still d debate, you know, it still might be a healthy group. But if you feel just like you've got to keep your mouth shut as far as having your different beliefs, you might want to find some other group. Number three, if the majority of the people at the meeting are actually sober, that's a sign of a healthy group. Uh, there, so there's always going to be one or two people who are still drinking or drugging while going to AA meetings. There are, you know, and, and there's, it's always going to be different. So there's some folks that might be court ordered and definitely not talking bad about our court ordered folks, because there are some that I actually get sober through that. There are some that don't though, and they continue to drink. There are some folks that just simply go to meet meetings because they hope that it'll, it will eventually catch on, you know? And so they're still struggling with sobriety, but they, they still go because they, they, they're trying, but they're still struggling. If there's one or two, yeah, you know, it's probably going to happen. But if the majority of the group is still using, nah, you may want to find another group. Another good thing to have at a healthy group is like, you know, multiple or various levels of sobriety. So we got our folks with 20 years, 10 years, five years, two, three months, one day, just various levels is always good. Number four, if the majority of the members behavior outside of group matches what they share in group, that might be a sign of a healthy group. And this is actually a pretty good tip for trying to find a sponsor. If that's a, if that's a thing that you want to do is looking at that person, like listening to what the person is saying in group and then observing them outside of group. So we can talk a good game, but that doesn't mean that we can fake our, the behaviors always. So if we want to try to find those two things coalescing and we want their words to match their behavior, if the majority of them do that. Awesome. Number five, if the majority of your groups are not, are not dry drunks might be a sign of a healthy group. A dry drunk is someone they're indeed sober, but they're still behaving in the same way that they did before when they were still using or drinking. Sometimes, sometimes they replace the old addict, uh, the old substance behavior with another behavioral addiction. So like gambling or sex or video games or whatever, food, whatever. I've definitely been to these types of meetings. They are not pleasant. They, you can usually pinpoint the dry drunk pretty easily though, because it's like, there's a, usually a ton of self-pity, a lot of victim stance, some usually super shitty problem solving skills sharing like way too many war stories about the good old days, bitter, just angry. So if you have a lot of dry drunks in your group, maybe a good idea to find another group. You don't need AA or the steps or 12 step groups or any of it to get sober. I mean, I, I have a Christian witch friend who, so he uses his personal witchcraft 
in addition to his church community, he goes to church every Sunday and he, he's very involved in the fellowship there. And so he uses those two things for his recovery and his to help him stay sober. Lord, I have witchy friends, two witchy friends actually, who are in this the Satanic Temple Sober Faction group. And that's basically all they do. I mean, they, they attend the groups, the Sober Faction groups, and they use the the workbook that the Sober Faction, the Satanic Temple has. It actually looks kind of cool. A lot of rituals and stuff, cherry picking and researching and reading and finding what works for you and combining all of it together to make your beautiful personal program of recovery, whatever works for you. And I'll be putting a list up on Instagram as far as all the resources that I'm going to be naming off just so you can see it all written and it's all in one place. But so some of the ones that I have here, and a lot of these are going to be atheist or agnostic material, just because when I was getting sober, there wasn't a ton of witchy material. And thankfully that's kind of changing now, but back in the day, it was kind of hard going trying to find witchy stuff that's sober stuff. Some of the atheist and agnostic material that was helpful for me in developing my own personal uh, recovery program in the early days was uh, aaagnostica.org, which is aaagnostica.org. And it was just an amazing website for all things atheist agnostic they have some buddhism in there they might even have some witchy stuff up now i don't know but just an amazing secular website for those who are trying to get sober a, a book that i loved i loved so much was good without god by greg m epstein just a wonderful book it really inspired me to do the next right thing another cliche but do the doing the next right thing because it's the next right thing not because some man in the sky is going to condemn me. Religion for Atheists by Elaine de Botton is another wonderful book. The Proactive 12 Steps, a Mindful Program for Lasting Change by Serge Pringle. I hope I said that right. Uh, he also has a wonderful website for with tons of resources. Beyond Belief, Agnostic Musings for the 12-Step Life. It's like a daily reader. Uh, Smart Recovery, which stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. I know usually it's like SMART goals, but here it stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. And it's an awesome option for those of us who love worksheets. I'm definitely one that likes worksheets, not all the time, but sometimes. But a very logical, streamlined approach for those who like that. Uh, and they have an app. They have Zoom meetings. They have some in-person meetings, especially in the larger cities. SOS, which stands for Secular or Organizations for Sobriety or Save Ourselves. And then, so this is the first witchy resource on my witchy resource list, the pagan in recovery, the 12 steps from a pagan perspective. And I hope I'm saying her name right, Deidre Ann uh, Hubert, but it's a wonderful book. Wonderful. I was so excited to finally find it. There's also Associated Pagans in Recovery, which is a Facebook group. And they have regular Zoom meetings and they have that, they use the Pagan in Recovery as kind of their touchstone book. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, the Satanic Temple Sober Faction Group, which two of my friends go to, they have a, a Facebook group with regular Zoom meetings. 
Advocacy, Recovery, Community, and Humanity, or ARCH, A-R-C-H, is, I think it's like a, they branched off from the Sober Faction group, but they have regular uh, Zoom meetings and a Facebook group. And then Sober Witches and Pagans is another Facebook group. And then Clean and Sober Pagans is yet another Facebook group. You know, you can always go into Facebook and type in Sober Pagans and stuff will pop up or whatever your social media platform is. All right, so that is that for now. And again, I'll get this, this list up on Instagram. I would like to talk about 12-step work at some point because I do I do like the 12-steps quite a bit, kind of going over how to personalize them for yourself and how I work the steps as an example, And but I may save that for later. And of course, please remember that you can always message me on Instagram at the Sober Witch Podcast, all one word. If you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, if you feel like you need any additional support or just need to vent, anything at all, please shoot me a message. But thank you so much for spending this time with me. And until next time, keep your sobriety strong and your witchcraft powerful.